Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, we're living in interesting times. The overall workforce is adapting to new ways of doing business and doing their best to promote and maintain business continuity. Now, it's essential that business leaders take leadership to a much higher level and drive initiatives and outcomes that help business thrive. And we're talking today about manufacturing. Now, manufacturing isn't just the only theme because you're going to get a lot of things you're going to need to think of as a business leader about supply chains and manufacturing. So my guest is Alan Davis, the CEO of I-5 Services, and they revolutionized the manufacturing and supply chain industries. What are they doing to adapt to the current landscape? Well, we're going to ask, and Alan is with us. Alan, welcome to All Business. Alan, good to have you here, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to talk to you today. Well, you're a good friend um, and you're, you're a great colleague as well, as I've got to know you over the last couple of years being involved with our C-suite network. But right now, you know, we're talking about social distancing. And I don't want to use that term because, I, you know, this is it's physical distancing. No one wants to be socially distant. Let's talk about physical distancing, self-quarantine. It's the new way of doing business. How's the manufacturing industry prepared to deal with this? I mean, are they prepared? Well, and that's a great question, Jeff. And, and the short answer, uh, I would say, is, uh, is probably not as well as we should be. Um, and there are some complex challenges to manufacturing because, um, you know, as you would imagine, manufacturing requires coming together into a manufacturing uh, facility to be able to produce things. And so it puts a, a particular strain on our manufacturing community as we go through what everyone's calling social distancing. And you're right, it's, it's more physical distancing than it is social distancing. Um, socially, I think we're somewhat staying connected um, through the various platforms we have, but physically we are not. And um, as manufacturers face that, uh, some of them are going to have to, well, some of them already are uh, closing doors and, and more yep. of them may have to do that. Um, and uh, the ripple effect from manufacturing um, is actually uh, far more significant than what any of us are feeling today. So, as you know, but there should be some positives of that because while that is slowing us down, right? Yep. You got to imagine that we're going to deplete the stuff we've manufactured. There's going to be a backlog of orders coming. You yep. know, an employer should be able to wave them in front of his employees saying, hey, hey, brothers and sisters, oh, man, this really sucks. This isn't good right now. But, hey, I got these orders. They're coming. As soon as we can all, you know, get out of our hazmat suits or put on, you know, put on our rubber gloves, we're going to be able to go back to work and we're going to have a lot of orders to fulfill quickly. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you're right. You know, I mean, there, there's the downside to this and then there, there, there's the incredible upside. Right. So um, there's the backlog that is, is clearly building. Right. There's the opportunity to um, to really pivot and to move. Um, you'll see you're seeing that a lot with COVID-19 response items. Right. So if you look yeah. at uh, FEMA's page and, and you look at what is needed right now, uh, hand sanitizer and masks and, and ventilators are the things which tend to uh, rise to the top of the conversations. But there's a whole list of, of uh, really critical items. And it's great to see, you know, distilleries and uh, breweries and, and others, you know, pivoting to make hand sanitizer, 
yeah. and uh, you know, and you'll see things like that. All or, over. or to be honest with you, at the same time, I don't want to make light of this, but they keep the stuff coming too, because yes. <laughs> a lot of us are imbibing a great deal more than we normally have. But, but you know, it you know, keep the spirits up, as they like to say. It's the best yeah. way I could describe it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of our, uh, well, our key partner in the national, so we we build platforms that help connect manufacturers together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and shorten our supply chain. And, and uh, I know supply chain is, is one of the key topics that you hear in uh, most of the mainstream uh, media conversations today because it, it plays a key role in this. And um, as we talk to our partner, the National Association of Manufacturers, they've kind of broken this down into four phases, right? The, the phase that we're in right now is still kind of this immediately respond, right? Find anyone who has um, anything that they can provide immediately to address a demand, right? Um, Find gloves, find masks, find whatever we can and make sure that we get that in the right hands. The second one is find who the producers of these materials are and make sure that they can produce, right? And make sure that we can help them produce. And then third is, um, third phase is really to find those who can pivot, right? Who can retool, who can um, really change what they're doing to make sure that they meet a demand. And fourth, then, is kind of that recovery phase. And as we kind of go through these phases, the interesting thing to me is, um, much like in business, um, we all respond at different times as we begin to assimilate the challenges in front of us. And we start to understand what they are and how we approach them. We will all turn that corner at a different time. Well, when we do turn the corner, as leaders, we need to make sure that the answers that are needed when companies turn the corner are there for them. And so one of the things we uh, work on tremendously in the manufacturing industry is to make sure that as our manufacturers turn this corner, they know that there's resources there to help them shorten the supply chain, find suppliers here in the U.S., um, find them closer to their facilities, be able to make the adjustments that they need um, to be able to recover quickly. Not just recover, but to recover quickly. Hey, Alan, uh, is this going to kill just-in-time inventory? <laughs> I mean, to me, this is like, a you know, this is some of that stuff was just bullshit. Now, I got how efficient it was, but now we're seeing a problem with just-in-time inventory. Yeah, no, this exposes a lot of the, uh, of the weaknesses of that model, right? And yeah. um, I think we'll see uh, a lot of changes coming to the way that we've approached just in time in the past. Um, yeah, I think the whole supply chain is going to be disrupted. And not the whole, but some critical ones. I think you're going to have to say, you know, look at your policies if there is another pandemic. By the way, there will be. Okay. Yes. We, yeah. I think we all know that. If, if there is a catastrophic event or if there is some kind of disruption in the continuity of our business, what should be our policy for inventory? What should be our policy for spare parts or for the other things that we have? Yeah, I, I, you, That's going to be revisited, isn't it? Oh, entirely. And, uh, you know, something that we have been uh, trying to help manufacturers work on for some time is, um, you know, when, when you assess your supply chain. So one of our weaknesses in our U.S. supply chain is the fact that we don't have visibility of our supply chain. We can't really see it. Uh, One of the tools that we developed actually is uh, a tool that allows manufacturers to visualize their supply chain so they can see graphically um, their customers, their suppliers, and then they can filter that down, take a look at it. But one of the key components in there, we identify single supplier risk, 
right? Um, so they know if they only have one supplier that supplies a particular part or a particular raw good or something along those lines, they can see that graphically represented. It's highlighted, it's flagged for them and helps them understand that, hey, maybe I need to find some alternate suppliers. So if I do have a challenge or an issue with a single supplier or major disruption to the supply chain, I know how and where to pivot. And that is one of the things that we have not been tremendously prepared for in the past, which I think will be different as we come out of this. And, you know, in addition to that, when working with the Air Force, they, they have eight different areas of supply chain risk that they, um, they're trying to assess um, in the supply chain itself. And um, as we look at that, we've implemented actually the top three of those, um, looking at things like not just the single supplier risk, but what's my financial risk or what does my relationship risk uh, look like with my supply chain? And where might those uh, weaknesses or deficiencies or gaps exist so that I can do something about that, right? I can begin to find alternate suppliers that can uh, help to shore up that supply chain. And I think redundancy in supply will be one of the key uh, things that come out of this particular uh, pandemic because I believe everyone's going to look at this and realize, hey, I don't want to leave myself as exposed as I've been in the past. Yeah, I, th well, I think that's uh, just spot on in terms of things. Hey, listen, we, this is, uh, we're live with All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Let's take just a quick break. Okay, we're back. Thanks so much. Uh, listen, one of the things I'm talking live with Alan Davis, who's the chairman of I-5 Services and is also chairman of the C-Suite Network's Manufacturing Council. He's brings together a lot of manufacturing uh, companies, executives from manufacturing companies to work on common problems. Very, very much a big think tank, uh, high level mastermind group that's uh, solving uh, industry issues for the, for the manufacturing industry. Well, what about Alan? I think, man, if I were Trump right now, and I wouldn't want to be, <laughs> but if I were Trump right now, I think I would be going to all the U.S. companies going, uh, a little bit of nan nan and boo boo. You you put all your stuff in China. Yeah. Thirty seven or thirty seven, I think, percent of our GNP is there. Yeah. You know, you put all that there. Seventeen percent GNP is produced out of out of China for the world, but thirty seven or thirty four percent for the U.S. I would think I would be going now. I'm going to help you. We're going to work with you, but you better get this stuff back. You better have a second source of manufacturing or source supply for your supply chain. What do you think is going on with that, brother? Yeah, no, and you are spot on. Listen, Jeff, we took a step too far in our manufacturing sector in the United States. Um, you know, you look at from 2000 to 2010, 2012 in that range, and you start looking at some of the statistics of what happened. We lost, so 78,000 manufacturers shut their doors um, in that period of time. We lost 6 wow. million jobs. There was a massive push um, to outsource our manufacturing overseas, but we took a step too far, right? Mm -hmm. We started to send not just manufacturing jobs. It was our IP, um, our R&D, our intellectual property. Uh, our, um, dependence. our dependence. Our dependence. Exactly. And it got to a point where um, we put ourselves at great risk. And I think this has exposed some of that. And um, it's interesting to note, if you look back at what happened in the tech sector, right? There was a, there was a big push in technology where we sent um, so many of our technology jobs for, um, 
development and, and uh, database work and all kinds of things overseas, right? Uh, looking for lower cost um, workforce. And what happened was we took a step too far there as well. And we started to send too much. And it started to put us at a significant disadvantage to the rest of the world. And we followed suit with our manufacturing sector. And I'm hoping that we're beginning to learn some of those lessons as we turn the corner and start to recover from sending too much tech away and then also from sending too much of our manufacturing away. And this really helps to expose that and helps us you know, provide the opportunity for us, if you will, to make the corrections that we need going forward. So yeah, I agree with you. If, if you're Trump at this point in time, um, and, and it's not just Trump, the, you'll hear the DOD say this, you'll hear loads of other organizations in, uh, in the government say the same thing, which is, we can't um, outsource our critical supply chain needs and much of the supply chain that we have sent overseas, we're gonna have to bring back in the US if we uh, really want to address this in the future. Now, that doesn't mean we, we don't send manufacturing overseas or we don't do business with our foreign partners. We absolutely will do that. Um, yeah. But to be well, smarter, we don't need to put it all there. We don't need, exactly. we need, you know, sometimes cheapest is not always the easiest. I remember, I remember years ago in the, here in South Dakota, uh, where I'm from, we tore down the zip feed mill. It's a big feed mill right downtown and uh, right right near the railroad tracks. And they finally going to implode it and have it tear it down. A big, massive structure. Tallest structure in South Dakota had to be about 14 stories tall, right? That is the biggest thing in South Dakota. And I remember when they blew it up and they set it off, there's this huge crowd watching uh, thousands of people on that on that snowy, cold morning, foggy morning, whatever it was, it was really out there. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything went off. And then the building fell like three feet and then tipped and leaned and then stopped. And then there was silence across the crowd when then someone yelled, well, that's what you get for being a low bidder. And <laughs> boom, you know, so we, we have to understand there's a price to pay for that. You can't just send it to the cheapest place. You can't you, we have to balance it. You have to have some backup system. Hey, I was reading recently that, when we say recently, like, like minutes ago, because so much is changing so fast. Here we have a $2 trillion package for small businesses that's just gone out in the Relief Act. And I'm, I'm listening that manufacturing is asking for a $1.4 on top of that. Yeah. You think that's yeah. going to hold? Um, I think there's a, a good opportunity um, for it to hold. And, and the reason being, uh, manufacturing has much more impact to the economy than people realize. For, for one dollar um, created in manufacturing, it creates $1.4 of additional value in surrounding sectors. So when we improve our, our manufacturing economy, we have an exponential improvement effect upon our entire economy. And so I do think it'll hold, and I do think um, we're realizing um, that manufacturing is not just important or vital to us, uh, but it is a key component to having a thriving economy. And without it, without a thriving manufacturing base, um, you have a hard time keeping a thriving economy active. Well, yeah, we just, it's, it's um, without question, you know, manufacturing drives so much. And I used to be in the printing world and that was a manufacturing business and, right. Right. and it just creates so much. And when, by the way, let me tell you the thing, when you get this folks, so you're listening, if you don't have manufacturing, if you're not creating things, 
all the other things go away. Like printing is a good example of that yes. because where do the printing manuals go? So if you're, if you're making the stuff in China, you're making it in other countries, all of that stuff gets produced in those countries. That's where it goes. So you need to think about this. You want those jobs. You might not think, oh, I don't want that stuff in my backyard because ooh, it's got a little smokestack or it's got this or got that. Hey, listen, I'd much rather have the regulations of the U.S. watching that stuff than somewhere else. Okay. One of the things, Alan, how optimistic are you about the government helping us out? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question, Jeff. Um, it is, but I, but, but I am tremendously optimistic. I, I, me too. I, 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 I got to tell you, I, I, me too, Alan. I, I think they've done a really good job of responding yes. faster than I've ever seen. Why do in you think my, that is? In my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this, right? Yeah. Um, they. And, you know, you and I have had this conversation before about um, how they recognized from 2008 that, you know, there were mistakes. Um, there were things they could have done that they didn't do. And they yep. didn't go, um, you know, in fact, I think the conversation we were just having before, they didn't go deep enough. They didn't go fast enough on right. trying to help the economy, right? So this time... Right. They're not going to make the same mistake. They're going deep and they're going fast and they're willing to go deeper if they need to, which to me, that should give hope to every single American that we have not just the hope, but the almost assurance at this point that our economy will come back and will come back stronger than it was before because um, they have uh, responded appropriately and they are responding appropriately. And, and I think it's, it's absolutely, um, it's amazing, really. Uh, it honestly is because uh, you don't often see government respond in the way that um, our government is doing right now. Well, hey, with that, I'm going to come back and give you a real positive thing. We're going to take a quick break and come back and I'll tell you how the government is helping. C-Suite Radio. All right. Thanks, Alan, for letting me take a quick break. We're talking to Alan Davis, the chairman of I-5 Services and also chairman of the C-Suite Network Manufacturing Council. We're talking about all things manufacturing, how to build America, how to build it back, how to build it. Uh, this isn't a Trump commercial by any ways, because if not make America great, listen, America is great, right? We know that. So I don't care what your politics, but we were talking about government because government used to be, hey, I'm, I'm from the government, I'm here to help, was the last thing you wanted to hear. But, you know, I was listening. I'm, I'm excited. I, I am excited. I, listen, I'm not excited about what we're in and how it's going. Let's be clear. I saw someone who posted some. Uh, by the way, I'm going to go off on a rant for a second here, Alan. But I, I, I saw some thought leader posted, I like tough situations because uh, things, good things come out of it. Okay, that's true. But right now, folks, don't be wishing for tough things. We don't need that. People are going to die in this thing. I don't need I don't need pundits uh, or semi pundits or so called thought leaders who are doing this and it's ticking me off. It really is that you know stick to your knitting, stick to the stuff you do. And speaking about sticking to the knitting, I was encouraged. I watched uh, 60 Minutes the other night. Give 60 Minutes full credit. The Fed chairman, Fed chairman came on and they said, "What lessons did you learn in 2008?" This gets back to what you said, Alan. He said, we did not throw enough money at it. We didn't get deep enough, fast enough. And I got to tell you, I'm impressed by the government, how fast they move, because we know they don't normally move fast. And, and there's some bumps like, you know, I went in on Sunday and started doing the, the SBA loans early uh, to get the stuff going. It took six, eight hours to complete one. And it was a pain in the, it was a pain in the, you know what? Uh, I'm being respectful because I know Alan's a very decent guy. And normally you guys know what I would say, but um, yeah, 
I mean, that was amazing. He said, we're going to throw so much money at it. That's encouraging, isn't it, Alan? It is. And um, I'm going to come back to your first point, Jeff, which is, you know, this, this pandemic is going to touch every single one of us. And if you have not lost someone um, that you know personally. You're going to lose them. You're going to. You will, right? Yeah. I mean, or you, you will know someone that, that died from this. So yeah. I hope that none of us underestimate the pandemic that we're up against and just how much it's impacting every single life in America, because that should not be understated. But then to come back and answer your question, you know, um, I was on on Monday, um, the general that's in charge of really um, identifying and and bringing forward the supplies that we need to respond to COVID-19. I was on with him and the National Association of Manufacturers, a number of manufacturers um, on Monday. And, and it, it was so um, encouraging to hear him basically come out and say, look, you just tell me what are the problems? What are the challenges you're facing? What, tell me why you can't get supply to our demand. Any hurdle or obstacle, you tell me what it is so that I know how to shoot it down. Give me the targets, right? We, we don't often hear our government saying things like that, like yeah. let us tear down the bureaucracy so we can actually make this work, right? Let us figure out how to solve the problems. That I think is one of the most encouraging parts and, and reasons why you know, we should all be kind of looking and listening right now to what's happening because the government is responding and, and they are listening and they are knocking down a lot of those hurdles. You, you'll see it almost day by day. Um, if you haven't been listening and haven't been hearing some of those things, loads and loads of bureaucracy has been moved out of the way to help us respond um, in this time. Well, and now, and one of the things I like is that you're now seeing the realization that you have to do your business model differently. Yes. You know, um, I've been preaching about change, adapt, or die for years. Mm -hmm. It's more apropos right now than ever before about how you move to di digital. And that's what you're doing at I-5 as well. I mean, you're helping people create these communities and, and give solutions. Give yourself just a, a little bit of a background on I-5. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I-5 services, um, I really started I-5 services because of the uh, uh, September 11th. Um, yeah. I, I was, I was in London. I just moved my family to London to work on a project, um, in the airline industry. And, um, that project that we worked on, um, it helped the airline industry in their recovery. And by producing hundreds of millions of dollars of value to the airlines when they needed it the most. And that really, um, instilled in me a desire to want to find these solutions that will, address a, a significant need um, across an industry, right? So when we started working on this in manufacturing um, seven, eight years ago, it was because I could see what had been happening in manufacturing and this massive downturn. And so um, as, as I looked at what was happening in manufacturing, it was clear that there is an, a massive need for for change and for improvement, and that we could provide solutions that would provide that type, that level of improvement in the manufacturing uh, world, and it would have a, a significant impact across the entire industry, change an industry, improve an industry, and help every single uh, life by doing that, because manufacturing touches every one of our lives. Well, that's fantastic, Alan, and what you're doing uh, for us at the Manufacturing Council and the C-Suite Network. How are, you, how are you liking being a part of the Hero Club and the C-Suite Network? 
Well, Jeff, uh, as you know, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love what you put together. I think it uh, absolutely is a, is a vital need. Um, our, the ability to come together with other hero uh, club members and be able to talk to those who have uh, a core set of values, right, that, that believe in, in making a difference and making a positive difference and giving back and living by integrity and values those kinds of things are much needed in the world we live in right now. And I applaud you and I thank you for, um, for driving that forward. And the Manufacturing Council gives us this voice where we're able to, to really get out there and help people understand the solutions that we are putting in place to help manufacturers. And that is uh, across the board in manufacturing. And, and we love the fact that we're able to bring those leaders together and be able to get the message out through the C-Suite Network um, channels and uh, Jeff, you're an amazing partner, and we really uh, love and appreciate what you put together. Well, there's a blatant commercial if I ever ask one. I didn't even have to pay for that one. That was great. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Thank you for being right here on All Business with Jeff Hazel. I've been talking with Alan Davis, the chairman of I-5 Services and chairman of the C-Suite Network Manufacturing Council, and I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much, Jeff. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I tell you, what really got me thinking is about our dependency, right? So think about in your business, what are the most crucial things you're dependent on? And how do you have backups for it? You know, you never know when you're going to need it. You know, remember, remember when you were a kid, your mom or your grandmother always said, hey, you've got to wear clean underwear just in case you get in an accident. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing here. When you got bad things happen around the world and all of your supplies all your manufacturers done in another country and you don't have a backup plan? Hey, 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 you know, it's always good to have one or two on the side. So think about what you're going to do and how are you going to prepare to make sure this doesn't happen to you again. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Don't forget the way that I grow is through you. So if you could do me a favor and give me a little uh, shout out to a friend to say, hey, listen in and tune in to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.